So good to see you and to be with you today. Um, you know, I, it's, uh, I was thinking about the weather and how, uh, you know, it was supposed to rain today. And uh, I'm so glad it's sunny because I feel really upbeat and sunny. So I would rather have the sunny weather than the rainy weather, even though we need rainy weather from time to time. But, you know, God is gro- doing great things in us and, and among us. And we're so, so very glad that you're here today. And if, if this is your first time here with us today, um, welcome. So glad that you've chosen to be here. And um, I want you to know, like right up front, you've come at kind of a defining moment Uh, here at Fellowship Greenville, and this week and next week are going to be a little bit different from our normal teaching uh, times on Sunday, uh, on Sundays. Uh, If you attend here on a regular basis, you, you, you will find that, that normally we are teaching our way through whole books of the Bible or, or long passages of Scripture, and we just finished up a study that we called Royalty on the book of First, uh, First Samuel is about King Saul, Israel's first king. Um, but this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be talking about something that, that we, the elders and the staff leadership team here at Fellowship, have been praying about and seeking uh, God's leadership about for uh, quite some time. And it's something uh, that uh, what we're going to talk about is something I asked you to pray about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you, you remember what I asked you to pray? Uh, I asked you to pray, uh, Father, is multiplying our ministry to the Adams Mill YMCA property, is that what you want for us? Father, is that what you want for us? And uh, after much prayer and a lot of discussion with our architect and contractor and our bank, uh, we've now done the due diligence work uh, of what it will take uh, to purchase and renovate the Adams Mill uh, YMCA to make it Fellowship Greenville Adams Mill. And I'm very excited to share with you this morning the what and the why and the how of that plan. Because two Sundays from now on May the 21st, we're going to ask you to affirm the plan to move forward uh, by faith. And so before we move forward in the message, would you bow your head and, and join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are a great and awesome God. You are at work in us and all around us, and we see and sense your hand upon us, and we are humbled by your grace. And I ask, Father, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us at this time and in this place, and give us a willingness to partner with you by making whatever decisions we need to make to adjust our lives to you in order to advance the gospel here in Greenville and in the upstate and around the world. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna talk about the what, the why, and the how of this plan. We'll start with the what. The what has two parts. The first part has to do with the growth that God has graced us with, what we have seen God doing. Now, if you've been attending here for uh, the past year, you've no doubt uh, noticed that we have experienced rapid growth. We see new people coming here uh, week after week. In fact, if you are a newbie here, uh, we are so glad that you're with us and, uh, and you're becoming a part of our family. And so we've just experienced this growth. And to put the growth in perspective, Rob Marks, our executive pastor, did some research, and uh, this is what he found. Uh, During the eight years before COVID, we averaged 2.25% 
growth in worship attendance each year. Then when COVID hit, of course, we moved everything online until we could begin meeting again in June 2020. And then this year, uh, I mean, it took us two years to recover uh, from COVID, but this past year, this past year, our growth rate compared to the last year is 24.5% in one year. That translates into more than 900 people attending our worship services here in just one year. And of course, that means that every other area of our, uh, of our ministry has grown as well. We now have over 600 children in fe- and fellowship um, in FG Kids, over 400 uh, students in middle school and high school ministry. Uh, over a thousand people are actively involved in community groups and small group ministries, and we have over 1,500 people actively serving both inside and outside the walls of the church. And what I want you to see is this is the grace of God, because we we haven't done anything to try to grow numerically. We don't set numerical goals. We don't implement growth strategies and programs to help us to grow. We simply focus on being the church. We simply focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. It's God who is doing the growing. That's the point, not us. It's God orchestrating all of this, not us. Now let me do a little sidebar on this whole idea of church growth. I grew up in a church tradition, and we set goals for everything, goals for attendance, goals for baptism, goals for giving, and basically we measured success in the church by increasing numbers of nickels and noses. (laughs) Of course, even today in some circles, church growth is still a buzzword that defines a successful church, and there are growth seminars and growth websites and growth consultants and growth plans and growth strategies. There are blogs on church growth written by pastors of growing churches telling other pastors how they can grow their churches if they just follow the formula that that pastor followed uh, in growing his church. But in the early church, growth was talked about in a very different way. And so I want to do a kind of a quick flyover of Acts chapters 2 through 4 to look at how Scripture talks about growth. In Acts chapter 2, we see that on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached the gospel of Jesus to a crowd, a crowd of Jewish people who had come from all over the known world, Luke tells us that 3,000 of those folks put their faith in the risen Jesus as their Messiah. And Luke paints a picture of that church in Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. He says, this is my paraphrase, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, generosity, and ministry to the community. Luke shows us a picture of a loving, caring, gospel-preaching church, a group of people who live so differently than everyone else around them that they, and this is his words, not mine, they enjoyed the favor of all people. As the church simply focused on being the church, people in the community took notice. And then at the very end of the passage, we read a word about growth. And in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 47, we read, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord grew 
the church. Then in chapter three, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and on the way they heal a man who had been unable to walk from birth. Naturally, a crowd of amazed people gather, and Peter preaches another sermon, once again presenting Jesus as Israel's Messiah, and again he encourages the people to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. There's a pattern here. The gospel of grace is preached. People turn from their old lives, turn to Jesus, put their faith and trust in him. Holy Spirit fills them, and the church continues to grow. Because when you turn the corner into chapter 4, you read that the number of men came to be about 5,000, Acts 4.4. That's just counting the men, not counting women and children. If you counted women and children in a crowd like that, you're talking upwards of 10,000 new people coming into the church. You're talking rapid growth. So in a short time, the new church experiences this rapid growth. And once again, Luke paints another picture of the life of the church in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. He says, my paraphrase, the large congregation of those who believed was characterized by unity, gospel preaching, prayer, generosity, and caring for and discipling new believers. And then we read at the very end of chapter 4, and God's great grace was upon them all. And God's great grace was upon them all. Now, here's what I want you to see. In the early church, growth was not the goal. It was a byproduct. It was not the goal. Growth was an outcome. The byproduct of a unified, gospel-preaching, Christ-centered, generous, Holy Spirit-empowered community of grace. And it was because the church focused on these things that Luke could say God's great grace was upon them all and that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I like how Matt Didsky puts it. He says, growth was the byproduct, not the bullseye. God grew the church as the church simply focused on being the church. Now, Fellowship Greenville, like many, many other gospel preaching churches, are a part of the continuing story of the book of Acts. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that in our Acts story, I believe the same thing can be said of Fellowship Greenville that Luke says about the early church. The Lord is adding to our number weekly, and, and, and God's great grace is upon us all. Not because we're strategizing to grow bigger, no, grow numerically, but because like the early church, we simply focus on being the church. For us, numerical growth has never been a goal, uh, but growth is the God-given outcome of a church that seeks to put Jesus on display in preaching and in worship and in community and generosity and, and in serving. Uh, now, I, I needed to lay that biblical foundation for you to clearly understand the what behind this plan uh, that we're presenting to you today because the rapid growth we see here is God's doing. Can't say it enough. It's evidence to, of God's great grace. Well, how do, I know you're asking, so Charlie, how do you know it's evidence of grace? Because sadly, 85% of the churches in this country have reached a plateau or they're in decline. 85% of the churches in this country have plateaued or they're in decline. Now, doesn't that break your heart? 
I mean, our world is growing darker and the church is shrinking. Southern Baptist researcher Tom Rayner says that about 4,500 churches close their door every year. Currently, more than half of the churches in this country did not add a single member last year. And this is shocking. And each year, nearly 3 million previous church growers enter the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated. That's 30, that's 3 million, which calculates into 3,500 people leave the church every single day. So if 85% of the churches in this country have plateaued or they're in decline, that means by God's grace, we're in the 15% of growing churches. That's God's grace. And, and it's not about numbers, is it? It's about people, people who have experienced life change here at Fellowship. People like a teenager named Daniel who said he was raised in a Christian home and at age 14 he got baptized just to check it off his list. But after three years of being here, he came to understand that he could never gain Christ's love by his good works. He said Fellowship Greenville has helped him more fully understand God's grace and how to grow to be more like Jesus out of love and not duty. A guy named Adam who grew up in a church, his parents were Christians, but he never really gave his life to Christ. He went to college, got into a partying kind of lifestyle, but God stayed after him. And, uh, and not long ago, he trusted Jesus as a savior. He trusted Jesus to rescue him from that empty life that he was living, and now he's growing in his faith and he's passionate about Jesus or Michelle, who was raised in a Catholic church. She said, I, she said she'd always believed in Jesus for as long as she could remember. But through the ministry of this church, she came to understand that through Je Jesus' death and resurrection, the new life that Jesus offers comes as a free gift. It's not something you earn or work for. Or Garrett, who grew up in a Christian home, but his faith didn't become strong and personal until he got involved in our high school ministry. Or a young woman, Caroline, who was raised in a Christian family uh, her whole life, but recently uh, she said that God spoke to her through some relational hardship that, that she was going through, and, and, and she uh, um, responded to all of that by, by committing herself to follow Jesus more closely. And she got involved. She moved here from another state, and she got involved with a group of young women, and she says, now I just want to dedicate everything that I am and, and, uh, and everything I have to being on mission with Jesus. Or a couple who was both raised in a very strict Catholic uh, church, and, uh, and they always felt that something was missing in their spiritual life, and they started attending here. And they had this aha moment when, when they came to see that salvation was was through Christ and by faith alone, not by depending on good works or keeping religious rules or rituals. Now, I could go on and on, and in fact, two weeks from now, we're gonna have a baptismal service, and you'll hear a whole lot more stories exactly like these. God's great grace is at work in us and among us and through us, and it's happening every week. Now, let me see if I can say this. That's the what behind what we are proposing. It's the what of what God is doing here. <laughs> I worked hard on that sentence. You go, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. Um, it, what, the what is he's growing us by adding to our number weekly. 
by God's great grace, he's bringing more and more people through our doors and they're entering into a deeper, more personal walk with God, so much so that we're running out of space. And so now the question is, if that's what God is doing, what will we do? If God's growing us and we're running out of space, what will we do? And and what we need to do is create the space to care for and disciple the new people God is bringing here, to care for them and disciple them in the same way that we care for you and disciple you and your families. And that leads us to the second part of the what. The second part of the what has to do with the opportunity that we believe that God has set before us to solve our space problem. In order to create more space to care for and disciple the people that God has been bringing here, and this has been going on quite a while, but we considered building a building out on the back part of the property, an auditorium three, project would cost us about $12.5 million. And despite the inevitable traffic and parking problems that would ensue, um, we, uh, well, we, it was a viable option. It wasn't like the, what we really wanted to do, but if that's the only thing we could do, that's what we were gonna do. Uh, but however, as we pursued that possibility, we heard that uh, the YMCA was, uh, had put their Adams Mill property up for bid and it's a 25 acres of land for, and a 38,000 square foot building. And after much prayer and discussion, um, the elders decided to place a bid for five and a half million dollars for the property, and we won the bid. Even though the Y had gotten offers higher than ours, God gave us favor in their eyes. Remember the Acts story? Now, to put that into perspective, in 2003, we bought this building from Brookwood, this building, not the three outbuildings that we built, but we bought, in 2003, we bought uh, this building from Brookwood uh, on on 25 acres of land for five and a half million dollars. Five and a half million dollars for 27 acres of land in this building, and now 20 years later, we have the opportunity to purchase the Adams Mill YMCA for five and a half million dollars. Yeah, I mean, 25 acres and a building. That, no inflation factored in there. I mean, you, you see in what I'm saying. Now, here's another perspective. Hope Church bought the old Platinum Plus building that faces 385 as you head to downtown Greenville. You, you know that building? A church is gonna be where a strip club used to be. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I was told that in the service when they announced that, there were people who stood up and gave testimony that they had been a part of that culture there and Jesus had saved them out of that and now they're a part of Hope Church. Isn't that cool? Well, yeah, absolutely. I'd say God's great grace is upon them as, as well. Now, they bought... 20, a 25,000 square foot building and five acres of land and they paid four and a half million dollars for it. So to us, and by the way, when I say us, I mean the, a unanimous vote of the elders, but to us, $5.5 million for the YMCA seems like a pretty good deal, very good deal. And the elders and the staff leadership team here absolutely believe that God has graced us with an unbelievable opportunity to multiply our ministry to the Adams Mill property just six miles down the road from us. So to sum up, 
Here's the two-part what of our plan and proposal. One, God has grown us to the point that we need to create more space for, for, uh, to care for and disciple the people he's bringing here just like we care for and disciple you. That's what God has done. God's opened a door for us to create that space and multiply our ministry here to the Adams Mill YMCA property that he pretty much dropped into our lap for the same price that we bought this building for back in 2003. That's, and, and that opportunity, we believe God wants us to act on that opportunity. Now, that leads to the why. The why has two parts. And uh, so with the first part, let me begin by a question that I've been asked by several, several people. But why are we doing this just six miles down the road? If we're going to multiply ministry, why not do it in some other area of Greenville? Legitimate question. Now, here's my answer to that. First of all, because the five-mile radius around our church continues to be among the fastest-growing areas of the state. From 2000 to 2015, this area has grown by 59%, and in the last eight years, the annual growth rate has, just, has been just over 9% of the year. And people from all over the country are moving here in droves, and you may be sitting out there, and you go, I'm one of those. Because for, yeah, for, for uh, months and months and months, I pretty much meet somebody every week who said, yeah, we moved here from California or the Northeast or the Northwest or Pennsylvania or Illinois or, you know, they've, they're coming here in droves. And many of us, this, this is kind of cool. I hear this story. They have already found us online before they moved here. I mean, these are faithful, committed uh, followers of Jesus, and so they know they're moving to Greenville, and they want to find a church. Before they get here, they find us online, and when they show up, they say, oh, yeah, we know you guys. We've been watching you for three months. We already feel like we're part of your family. We've been watching you for six months or nine months uh, or, or whatever, and they show up, and they go, so how do we become members? Can we get in a community group? How do we serve and, and get plugged in? What I'm saying is the growth is occurring right here in our own backyard. So with those facts in mind, why would we go to some other area of Greenville if the largest area of population growth is right in our own backyard? I'm not saying we wouldn't ever expand to other areas of the upstate. I'm just saying right now, God seems to be leading us to multiply ministry in this area. In fact, did you know we have over 1,100 church members living in a two-mile radius around, Adams, around the Adams Mill Y? 1,100 church. That means a lot of you drive past the Y on your way to this building. By going just six miles down the road, our ask will be that four or 500 people from our congregation attend Fellowship Greenville Adams Mill. And that gives Adams Mill the opportunity to grow eventually into a two-service format, and it creates much-needed space for us to grow here. Now, there's one more thing. Adding, the, the five mile foot, adding to the five-mile footprint that we have here with an overlapping five-mile footprint just six miles down the road, that increases our sphere of community influence by are to 11 miles, and we see this as a strategic way to advance the gospel and reach more people right here. So to sum up, why here and not somewhere else? Because this 
is where a large growth in population is happening, and it's where we're experiencing growth as well. Uh, second, but the second why uh, is, but why this way of creating space and multiplying ministry? Okay, let's consider the options. As I said, we could build Auditorium 3 on the back of the property. And again, our architect said it cost us about $12.5 million. That was a possibility. I've had people come up to me and say, uh, have you all ever considered just selling all of this and moving and building like a 4,500-seat auditorium? Um, that would cost upwards of $35 million. But we never considered that to be a possibility because it violates one of our cultural principles, which is if God grows us bigger, we got to find ways to become smaller. If God grows us bigger, we need to find ways to become smaller. And one of the most gratifying things that I hear new people say, they go, we weren't, we weren't really sure about coming to fellowship because it's so big. But y'all, you know what? You guys don't feel like a big church. That's intentional. That's intentional on our part. Now, you see, in 2016, the reason we built Auditorium 2 rather than a bigger auditorium somewhere else was to grow bigger and smaller at the same time. Plus, we never considered it to be good stewardship for us to build a ginormous auditorium that sits empty and unused six days a week. So given the, the, way, that, given the way that we see God working, it seems good to us that we would, we would become one church in two locations. One church in two locations. Now, this isn't a new idea because before we added the, the next-gen building and auditorium three, uh, out front, we got really excited about purchasing the piece of property that's on the corner of Roper Mountain and 385. That piece of property was owned by New Spring. They vacated it, but now it is the, uh, some kind of floor, floor uh, covering business, huge floor covering business. That location was five miles from our current location, and the idea was that we would divide the congregation in half and we would become one church in two locations. And for all intents and purposes, the Roper Mountain property would have functioned in the way that Auditorium 1 and Auditorium 2 function today. And we were very excited about the potential of creating space and multiplying our ministry in that way. However, however, as much as we desired for that to work out, God closed every door. We had no evidence that he was working in that way, and so we ended up building here. But now, with Adam's Mill, it seems like God has brought that same idea back into the realm of possibility. So again, why this and not something else? Because given the population growth and how close it is to so many of our people, we can't imagine a more strategic and desirable opportunity plus the fact we can grow bigger and smaller at the same time. Now, the second part of the why, I've, I, I've, I've always said this, uh, that this is our vision for ministry. People would say in new members classes, Charlie, where do you see the church in five years? I'd always give them the same answer. I hope we're doing exactly what we're doing right now, just more of it with more people if God permits. I mean, why do I need a new vision? This is this, this, what we have right here. This is the vision. I just want to do, do what we're doing here more effectively with more people if, if God permits. That's what multiplying ministry is all about. It's what living on mission is all about. 
It's, it's looking for where God is working so we can multiply this community of grace so that more people are invited to passionately pursue life and mission with Jesus with us. So here's some more perspective on this whole idea. It's perspective that comes from some of the questions that you no, you no doubt have. Uh, so question number one uh, is, uh, so does this mean that Fellowship Greenville will become a campus-style church or a multi-site church like so many other churches? My answer to that is no, not exactly. Most campus-style churches are, are live music and all video preaching. It's all video venue. That's not our plan. Initially, Adams Mill will have the same live speaker rotation that we have here combined with uh, video. So one week live here, video over there. We would do that same thing and and, uh, Adams Mill would be in the same kind of rotation. Worship music uh, would be live. Preaching will be a combination of live and video. However, we've been also talking about if we staged the, the uh, church time down there just right, the, whoever's speaking live here could preach here, leave at the end of, uh, and not participate at the end of the service, go down there and preach and then come back here. I know that's a lot of running around, but if that's what God wants, uh, we as live speakers are, are, are willing to do that. But we can make that work uh, uh, in the beginning if that's what happens. And also we would, uh, other pastors from our congregation would rotate in and out in the Adams Mill location so new people can get to know them as well. Now, as to the multi-site question, uh, you realize we're already a multi-site church, right? Because we have Auditorium 1 and Auditorium 2. Like, we're not all under the same roof, so we already have a multi-site situation. So, expanding to the Adams Mill location is the way that we believe that we can keep a smaller church environment while creating space for for the growth that God is causing here. Now, you might have another question, and that is, will the new location operate independently from us? And the answer to that is no. In the beginning, Adams Mill will be a Sunday morning venue only, uh, offering worship and fellowship kids in middle school. That's in the beginning. We, we, We don't see it continuing that way. All other ministry, but in the beginning, all, uh, that's what we'll do down there. All the other ministries of the church will continue to operate in this location, which means high school ministry would stay here. Initially, we will staff Adams Mill with uh, our staff and volunteers, and it will operate as a mirror image of what happens here. However, at some point when Adams Mill congregation grows to include new people from the community. Of course, it's going, we're gonna have a full program down there. And uh, eventually, it will more than likely become a part of a family of, of uh, churches connected uh, through the Upstate Church Collective, which is our new discipleship and church planting initiative that Jason heads up in partnership with Summit Church. The important point is this. Our desire and commitment is to export our fellowship DNA to other, uh, other locations so more people can enjoy and benefit from the ministry that you enjoy and benefit from here. Now that might cause you to ask, well, will I have to commit to one location and stay there or can I kind of just float from one place to the other like I do already from auditorium and one into auditorium too? 
You're just full of questions, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you, you can float. There's no hard and fast rule, but our hope would be that you would eventually get involved in serving in one place or another and find community in that place as well. That means as to community group involvement, you, you, if you choose Adams Mill, you can stay in your, your community group here. Isn't that, there's not gonna be a problem there. In the beginning, community groups will not be unique to a specific location, but we fully anticipate that over time, as new folks join us, that that will change and we'll, we'll form new groups out of people who live down that way. So this is the what and the why uh, of our plan to create more space, multiply our ministry into the many neighborhoods uh, uh, that surround the why. So let's talk about the how. Okay, when we talk about the how, we gotta talk about numbers, right? So the total cost of purchasing the land and the building and then renovating the building is $18.3 million. To purchase the land and the building and renovate the building is $18.3 million. That's five and a half million for the property and 13.3 million to renovate the building to make it Fellowship Greenville Adams Mill. Now, after, actually, actually, after much discussion, negotiation, exploring bids, that number is $3 million less than what we were first presented. We were presented with the number 21.3. And so right off the bat, we were able to knock $3 million off that. But still, it is a God-sized number, I'll admit that. And I'll admit that when I first heard that 21.3 million, I had a crisis of belief. I mean, the, I think other elders did as well because I couldn't see how we could get from where we are to where God seems to be leading us, which by definition is a crisis of belief. You see, and you've heard me say this before, you've heard us say this before, uh, and, and I got it from Henry Blackaby back in the 1990s. The way that we're all supposed to walk with God is by following the leading of the Spirit. You look for where God is working, and when he shows you where he's working, when he shows you what he is doing, that's your invitation to join him in his work. And when you accept his invitation to join him in his work, listen, there's always, always a crisis of belief, meaning you can't see how you're gonna get from where you are to where God wants you to be by your own wisdom and resources. So when I heard that 21.3, I'm like, I have a crisis of belief here, and I laid awake like all night long, 2.30 for the rest. I woke up at 2.30, and I'm like, how's this gonna happen? Oh, Lord, I'm praying and everything. Now, by the way, this is the fourth time, this will be my fourth time of creating space and multiplying ministry in a huge project like this. And I'm telling you, every single one of those times had their own crisis of belief moments. Actually, multiple times. I mean, you get through one, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that fell through. Now what are we gonna do? And then, and then you see, but you see God come through in amazing ways to accomplish what he was leading, us to, leading you to do. And, and, and it's like, when it's all said and done, you go, you know what? God did this. God did this. And he's already worked in an amazing way to shave $3 million off the project. Now, to put that $18.3 million into perspective, think of it this way. 
In 2016, we spent $10.5 million to create more space here by building Odd 2 and the Next Gen uh, building out front. And those buildings, they, both of them totaled about 30,000 square feet. And that $10.5 million in 2003, it's equivalent to $13.8 million today. So today we're looking to purchase and renovate the Adams Mill YMCA, a 38,000 square foot building on 25 acres for $18.3 million. Now stay with me. The difference between these two projects in today's numbers, 18.3 and 13.8, is the $5.5 million, which is the cost to purchase the property. My point is the construction dollars of this project are pretty much the same as our 2016 project. And think about this, by God's grace, by faith, a congregation of 2,000 people turned a seemingly impossible $10.5 million project into the buildings that you're sitting in today and that you benefit from today. So my question is, what might a congregation of 3,200 people be capable of doing if they acted in faith to partner with God in his work. Well, for one thing, because of your generous giving, we're gonna be able to put down 2.6 million up front, which takes the 18.3 down to 15.7. You see how God is already working. I mean, we started with 21.3 and now we're at 15.7. And by the way, our building fund is open and if you want to begin to get, that was, I figured you'd laugh at that. They did last hour. But anyway, our building fund is open. And if you want to begin to give to bring that $15.7 million down even more, you can do that now. And in fact, the elders are praying that by the end of August, we will have raised the $5.5 million to pay off the land before we begin to renovate the building. And that would be pretty amazing, I think. So I'm going to ask you to pray about being a part of that paying the land off by August. So you see, for us, God giving us perspective like this and seeing how God is already working to make what seemed impossible possible, all, all that has worked in some ways to reduce the sticker shock for us. To make it, uh, yes, it is a risky adventure of faith but not something so far out of the realm of possibility that to move forward be, would be to foolishly presume upon God. Okay, I know, you got some more questions. All right, let me just answer those questions. I hear you. And this is, this is a good question. But is this the best time to do this? I mean, you know, I, I understand. Some of you may be thinking with the current condition of our nation's economy and the state of things in our, 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 the world, our world, this might not be the best time to do it. Now, by the way, that question I copied and pasted out of our FAQ sheet that we gave out to the congregation in 2003 and 2016. That question has always been on the table. The economy has always been unstable. Now, I'm with you. I think it's more unstable now than it ever has been. But this... Uh, uh, but this is not a decision that the elders and the staff leadership have come to quickly or lightly. It literally has taken us years of watching for where God is working to arrive at this proposal and the cost and the risk 
of faith by faith has been carefully weighed. Ultimately, we unanimously believe this is the best time to do this for one reason and one reason only, and that is because we believe this is where God is leading us right now. You see, it's always the best time to follow God's leadership when he invites you, and that's kind of where we're at. I mean, if the bottom falls out, we'll, we'll figure it out. But it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit that this is what he's inviting us to do. Second question, how will we pay for all this? Well, uh, financing will be combined with a capital campaign sometime in the fall in which we will ask you to make a three-year financial commitment over and above your current offerings to the ministry of this church. The bank is committed to loaning us uh, money against the pledges of our capital campaign. And this is the way that I've done every single building fund thing like this back into my days in Little Rock, the two times here, we've always done it this way, and God has enabled us to do effective, fruitful ministry in this way. Now, also, the great thing about that piece of property, there is a little section on the north end, about five acres. If, if push came to shove, we could sell off that five acres, have it rezoned for office, and sell that five acres off, uh, to reduce our debt load. It's not something we want to do, but again, if push came to shove, it's an option. Uh, question three, why are we trying to raise millions of, I always have somebody ask this question. Why are we trying to raise millions of dollars to build here when the need is so great in other parts of the world? Why don't we just take that 18.3 and give it to, 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 to starving kids in India or Africa? And that's a fair question, but think of it this way. First, you're sitting in a building that costs $21 million. So you can't object too much to this. I mean, it was $2.5 million in 2003, and it was $10.5 million in 2016. You're sitting inside the walls of a $21 million building, and you and your family benefit from the ministry inside the walls of a $21 million building. And think, and think of what we have been able to do while worshiping inside these buildings. Together, because, and I just, I, can't, I cannot say how much I appreciate and how much I'm thankful for the generosity of this church. It blows my mind. But because of your generosity, we've given millions of dollars to missions. We've given several millions uh, of dollars in benevolence monies to help hurting people. You've given millions of dollars in order to raise and equip the next generation to carry the mission of Jesus forward into a world you'll never see. And I know some Christian leaders say it's shameful for Christians to be sitting in $21 million buildings like ours. But again, my response, our response would be, well, how would you be able to equip and mobilize large numbers of Christ followers to be deeply involved in the mission of Jesus if it were not like, not for churches like ours. Now, I'm not saying bigger churches are better than smaller churches. God gives the increase, but if God entrusts you with more, didn't Jesus say you're responsible for more? Okay, that's the what and the why and the how of the proposal to create space and multiply our ministry <clears throat> to Adam Smith. So here's the invitation. Oh, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Uh, would you like to see some pictures? Yeah, okay, all right, let me show you some pictures. We're talking about going from this 
to this. And we're talking about going from this to this. And so then let me show you a couple other pictures. Here's a side view of the building. Now, just stare at that picture just a second. Do you see anybody in that picture that you might recognize? How about Libby Hanford? Let me, let's see Libby up close. Now, that, now, I guarantee you we did not tell the architect to draw Libby in there. So this is like one of those Twilight Zone <laughs> moments. Like, we got to get into the building so Libby can take up that position right there. Anyway, um, this, uh, this picture of the auditorium is a 700-seat auditorium. Um, it will have a commons. I, didn't, I couldn't find a picture of, we have them somewhere, but I didn't have one. Picture of the commons, and we'll have a cafe in it. We might even run it all week long. Don't hold me to that, but maybe so. And then as the sun goes down, this is what it looks like. Anyway, all these pictures and more are in an online proposal brochure that we've prepared entitled Multiplying Our Community to Reach Our Community. And this brochure contains the proposed plan of uh, purchasing the YMCA property and renovating uh, the building that I've walked you through today. All the numbers are in there, along with the what and the why and the how of the plan, as well as the FAQs, the frequently asked questions that I've incorporated into the message today. And you can access that brochure. It's an online brochure. You can access it um, by uh, using your camera uh, on your phone to take a picture of the QR code on the back of your chair or on the screen there. You can go ahead and do that. It won't hurt my feelings that you're doing something while I'm talking and, um, or you can go on our website and it's posted up on our website, should be on the first page, and it is downloadable if you would like. So here's the invitation. Two weeks from now on May the 21st, we will vote to move forward on the purchase and renovation of the Adams Mill property so that we become two, to become one church in two locations. We'll be voting on what I unpack for you today and uh, the plan is in the brochure as well. I think actually you can vote any time between now and midnight on the 21st. So when you scan that, it should say like, read it, vote, uh, or you can wait. Uh, please pray, uh, pray and um, about how God would have you be involved. But again, several weeks ago, I invited you to be, to be praying with the elders, asking if this is what God wants. And since that time, the elders and the staff leadership team and the financial team have prayed and worked diligently to bring us to this point of decision, and we unanimously can say that it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit for us to partner with God and how he's working through us to create space and multiply our ministry in this way. So the question is, will you step out in faith by affirming the plan we've outlined for you today? I think about this question. Will you be a part of multiplying God's grace to people that God already knows will join us in the future? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for gracing us with growth and the opportunity to expand what we're doing here to a new location 
And I ask, if this is truly what you want for us, I ask that you would bring us all to one mind and to one heart, that you would give us unity and generosity of spirit to advance the gospel in this dark world that we live in today so that more and more lost and hurting people will come to a deep, life-changing personal faith in Jesus. And Father, give us the desire to follow where you're leading. Work in us and among us and through us to do things that can only be explained by your wisdom, power, and grace. And we will be careful to give you all the glory. And we pray all these things in Jesus' great name and for his greater fame. Amen.